Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you and praise you for all of the ways that you love us and take care of us, that you bless us. And I thank you in this time of novena for the gift of vigiling, the gift of being vigilant in prayer, seeking and waiting on you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, grant in each of us who listen, grant in each of us, Lord, a, uh, a greater sense of desire for you, a greater sense of being open to you, open to receive your love, and um, having a sense of alertness and expectant faith that you have come to bless, that you've come to set free. I thank you, Lord, for all of the blessings that you've poured out upon our families. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, give us the grace never to settle for less. Please, Jesus, help us to never settle for less than your very best. And we make this prayer in his holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my daughter Mary Grace lives in Newburgh, uh, Oregon, and she's been uh, texting me back and forth. Um, so interesting. <laughs> I'm so old that texting as a, as a means of having a rich conversation, it's not really my way of doing things, but um, my daughter Mary Grace, she's in that generation. She's, what, 22, 23. She's 23. She's 23? Oh, my goodness. 99, 22. She's 22. She'll be 23 this year. Uh, will often text me very profound thoughts, very profound things that she's pondering. And uh, over the, in the last week, she's been kind of picking up the theme again of what's God's call for my life and, and how do I get greater clarity about that call? And she's been reading the lives of the saints um, focused on the uh, on St. Catherine of Siena and on the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. Uh, first of all, I mean, come on, th- those are a couple of great saints to, to focus on. And a couple of things that jumped out to her that also has helped her, uh, I'm going to share with you today because I, I want to say this to you as parents, one of the one of the most important things that we're doing in our lives as parents is helping our kids grow in their awareness of and the maturity of their reflection about God's call for their life. Let me say that again. As parents, we, we try to do what well, we try. As parents, we are invested in doing many things that are a blessing to our kids. I think one of the biggest things we're doing is spending time trying to simply provide for them. Just to provide a home, to provide stuff, to provide a security, to provide a, uh, an environment in which they can grow and develop, uh, right? As human beings, and as the individuals that they are, and hopefully, right, as a central focus, to grow in their faith, to grow in their own, um, own sense of the reality of God, God as their loving Father, Jesus as our living Lord and Savior who's real, who sees them and draws close to them, 
and of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives, prompting and moving them, and moving uh, not only in them, but pushing, prompting, nudging them upon the path they should walk. And, and if we do develop that sense, if we help them develop that awareness and a rich relationship with the living God, the Blessed Trinity, then the idea of a vocation is so natural. Right? It's supernaturally natural. It's supernaturally like second nature, meaning that, well, God, you who created me, you who planted me here in this moment in the history, what would you have me do? How would you have me live? Boy, isn't that a question we want our kids asking? Isn't that a, an approach to life we want our kids to take? So, so my daughter, Mary Grace, she's single. Um, she is going to school but living with these women that she was on missionary, uh, she did missionary work with. Still has a very strong sense of mission in her life. Um, again, you know, as parents w- would be, I think, be really proud of uh, of those realities. But now she's like pondering the deeper thing, right? The deeper question of, well, Lord, am I called to be um, a religious sister? Am I called to be married? Or am I called to be single for the Lord, single and living in the world? which is really interesting because I'm guessing a lot of you haven't really heard about that way of living, um, a, a vocation, a life of faith, right? It's, even though it's not, strictly speaking, a, um, a state of life in terms of like the vowed religious life of uh, the life of the vows in a convent, um, that third way, um, it, has, it has grown in the 20th century what are called secular institutes. These are uh, these are communities that um, invite individuals to live in the world. They have jobs, and they come back and they have a a community life, and they live the life of the vows. But they live in the world. They have jobs, like right? so. They're not wearing, um, you know, the, the they're not wearing um, uh, habits or uh, like robes to uh, be directly, explicitly showing themselves living a religious vocation. They're living in the world, but they come back and they live in community and they live a vowed life. So, uh, so as my daughter, I, let me come back around to my daughter, Mary Grace. She's texting me and she was letting me know. She she taught me a couple things about St. Catherine of Siena, which I found, well, I put a smile on my face because I love St. Catherine of Siena and I have just a, a tender devotion um, and a fierce devotion to St. Catherine of Siena. I named my third daughter after her. And um, when she said to me something that I'm like, how did I not remember that? I'm sure I've heard that before, but I didn't remember that. She said that, uh, St. Catherine of Siena was a third order Dominican, a third order Dominican, which um, speaks, of, which is a particular way of being a Dominican that you can, um, you can live out without joining a convent. You can, you can become a third order Dominican. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I never, I never knew that. Or, or if I did know it, I forgot it. Because I always picture St. Catherine of Siena is having a habit and thinking that she lived in a convent, 
her whole life and um, wasn't living in in the a third order Dominican life in a way that someone could replicate today unless they also joined a Dominican convent and and so it was something that Mary Grace found attractive. She's like, wait a minute, I can become a third order Dominican without becoming without becoming um, a consecrated religious. I can live and undertake that level of commitment to the Lord in terms of the close following of Jesus and whether that leads to consecrated virginity or whether that then opens out to a life of um, marriage, I, I can be open to either one, whatever the Lord wants. And I thought that was really cool. And the second thing that came from this, oh, by the way, why am I talking about all this? Another reason why I'm talking about all this, not, not only just that it's happened, but because it's this time of novena to the Holy Spirit, right? This time of these nine days that exist between uh, Ascension Thursday, last Thursday, even though we celebrated on Sunday, if you went to Mass on Sunday, unless you were at a traditional Latin Mass, you were celebrating the Feast of the Ascension, um, on Thursday to the following, to this upcoming Pentecost Sunday, these are the days of vigiling in prayer with the apostles, disciples, and the mother of God in the upper room, praying and waiting for the, come up, the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that you call the birthday of the church. It's also that coming of the Spirit that then leads to mission. There you go, vocation. There's that sense of what am I called to do? What's my purpose, Lord, in this world? Why have you planted me here? in this world. And so it's a great time to be reflecting on these kind of conversations. Like, Lord, what, what would you have me do? What would you have? How would you have me spend the life you have for me to spend? And so um, Mary Grace shared another story with me um, on Monday night. Monday night, she texted me and was saying, hey, I just read about a vision that St. Catherine of Siena had, where she was offered many crosses. And she went and she picked up, she pointed to the cross that was the heaviest one, the biggest cross. And she said, I picked that one. First of all, that's pretty humbling because <laughs> I'm not sure if the Lord gave me a chance to pick. Here, what life do you want? Here are the crosses that you can have in front of you. Which one do you pick? I don't think I'd go after the biggest one. Well, she did. She said, give me that biggest cross. And Jesus said, no, you don't get that cross. That cross is for married couples. But that's not the cross I have for you. And where Mary Grace went with that, I found interesting. She's like, I guess then that at least through this vision, one way of interpreting the call to be married is that it carries with it, that it presents with it uh, bigger or heavier crosses than the life of a priest or religious. And she brought up that story because we had been reflecting on that together. She and I, we were talking on the phone over the weekend and just reflecting on the question of, are there bigger crosses being married uh, or being a priest? Is it harder to live a life as a celibate priest or as a married man? And she was interested in my thoughts on it just because, well, I 
spent five years in the seminary. Many of my dearest friends are priests, and when I left the seminary, they entered the priesthood, and I've been living as priests now for, well, over 30 years. It would actually they're coming up on their 32nd anniversary. I would have been ordained in 1990, and I left the seminary in '89, and I've uh, been married since 1994, so I'm 20. This would be my 28 years of being married, and so I've walked, uh, you know, something of the journey with these guys, and so I, I, I was sharing with her that the here's how I put it. I said I believe that priests and celibates have the potential of living um, much more profound crosses than married people, much more profound, because they are called upon to live at a higher pitch, that they're the spirituality of a celibate, the spirituality of one who is holding themselves entirely in reserve for God, and a celibate priest, someone whose life is to be poured out in loving service for his people that they might attain salvation. That kind of spirituality is a very, it's living at a very high pitch, um, th- meaning that there is a, um, an, intense, an invitation to a, uh, an intensity, a degree of, of giving oneself over spiritually into like a spiritual kind of union with um, m- many families who are suffering. And um, the, the sense of spiritual compassion, the willingness to suffer with and to suffer on behalf of their people, that there is the potential there for like profound, profound crosses, as well as an opportunity for a much easier avoidance of those crosses. It is easier to not live at that higher pitch of spirituality. Um, As compared to the call in married life where it's much harder to avoid the difficulties, the stresses and pressures, the anxieties that come with being a husband and a father called to lead and provide and protect his family. That the the opportunities that are running around in your home to die to self, to give over yourself, to be patient and kind and loving are never-ending. Um, they're at a lower pitch, but they are more present and harder to avoid. And so that's how I characterized it. I said that I can, now coming back around to St. Catherine of Siena, I can see how the crosses are bigger in married life, but potentially they are more profound in religious life. That's my own take on it. Um, But I had another insight as well related to how that shows up in the scriptures, what that might look like. So I'll pick up on that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. I'm offering some reflections today on this this concept of a vocation and doing so in the light of the fact that the Holy Spirit, God has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us in Pentecost and in the gift of Pentecost. And in doing so, the, that the Lord wants to, Lord wants to, <laughs> the Lord wills that you have access to all the power that you need to discover and to live the call that is yours. And that we ought not to sell short or settle for less in our own thinking about the way that the Holy Spirit wants to be 
intimately and profoundly involved in our day-to-day activities, that we can live our whole lives in a missionary format. Our whole lives can carry that sense of mission as part of it. And so this isn't just religious language. Please, 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 this is not just religious language, but this is um, an attempt to say, Lord, how can I recognize that even the daily grind, the daily duties of my life, can be associated with the the call, the call that the call that you've given me to become a saint and to fulfill the God-given mission you have for my life. So that even these daily crosses, these daily opportunities to die to self that are part of married life, these are things that the Lord has placed in front of you as opportunities to purify, to cleanse, to mold and shape you in his image and likeness even more fully. Uh, no, that's not easy. It's not easy, but it is, it's, it's, it, it almost, I think sometimes it feels like, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. It doesn't sound very spiritual. It, but it, meaning, what do you mean? Well, what I mean is having to get up early and um, serve your family. Whether you're getting up early to go to work, getting up early to pray, you don't get to sleep in as long as you wanted to, but you're getting up because you have to, you know, help do some work around the house before you go off to your own work. Those are sacrifices. Those are crosses. And then when you get up, you want to be able to maybe have some quiet time or just peacefully do what you would rather do. But then all of a sudden you can't because you've got a sick kid or because they need help with their schoolwork or because... Uh, you're going to have to leave to uh, leave for work earlier than you would because of some other project you have to take on. And it, these are burdens. Oh, and by the way, then, there's also the fact that you're trying to do all of these things while, you know, the bills are coming in the mail. And it's like, okay, now how am I going to provide for my family? Because my expenses are going up, but my income isn't going up. And now what is what does that mean? How am I supposed to take that on? Okay, now all of a sudden you have stresses and anxieties and pressures that are landing on your life. And the, the Lord, this, this, is, this is an opportunity for you to trust in the Lord. This is an opportunity for you to turn to the Lord. When you're facing that circumstance, I know a lot of people that I'm talking to right now are facing that circumstance. You're facing situations in your life where the costs of living are going up for you. It, this is not rocket science. Look at the gas pump, right? So the, the cost of living, just the cost of living is going up quite a bit. Not just a little, but quite a bit. And I'm guessing for most of you, the income you're earning is not keeping pace. So now you're falling behind. And so whether there, that means that there's less room Maybe that there was a way that you were able to save and invest money based on how much you were making and how much you're spending, and that gap is closing. Others, you know, if you read statistics and, and you believe anything about like reports, at least things that uh, I bump into now and again online, it has to do with the amount of debt on credit cards that people carry, or the 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 unbelievably smaller percentage than I would have thought that have a reserve account that can cover a shortfall of even, I think it was even, it was less than a thousand dollars in a bank account to be able to help them get through, um, you know, uh, a month where my expenses outpaced my income. And that's frightening. Well, that's, isn't that stress inducing? That is, 
that is very difficult. And trying to figure out what do I do now? Trying to figure out where do I go from here? That that is not easy. That is not an easy thing to figure out. So when I think about um, when I think about crosses associated with married life, these are the kind of things that I'm thinking about. I mentioned that there was a scripture that for me kind of exemplifies what that looks like. And it's the call of Peter, right? So if you go to Luke chapter five, it's the call of Peter. It's Simon who becomes Peter, right? Simon Peter. And it was when he, uh, he was out all night fishing, nothing, caught nothing. And then Jesus says, go out into the deep and they go out and they catch this big bunch of fish. And Peter falls and says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And then Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And it says that Simon and James and John abandoned, James and John abandoned their father and their nets and their boats and they have followed him. They abandoned everything. They just, it's all nothing. Even though it was the biggest catch of fish they ever had and thinking, yeehaw, there's money. Jesus, stick around. Do you want to be a business partner? Right? This is not what they did. They abandoned it all. They severed the connection. They let it all go. It is not ours. We want you. We want you. You are the supreme value in our lives right now. We value you more than we value the boats and the business and the fish. Even though these are assets, these are things that I'm sure required planning and thought and and, and a you know an adulthood of of building a business up to be able to provide for their families and all of a sudden it's we abandon all of this to follow you and thanks be to God right they heard the call and they followed and they and their following meant abandon everything and leave it all behind now in contrast to that you you listening to me especially if you're a husband and a father wife and a mother you hear the same call. You hear that same call. But listen to the distinct way that this call reaches your life. And the call says, abandon your nets and follow me. And in your following me, you are not going to abandon your nets and leave them behind. But you're going to abandon the nets and then retain most of it. What? Let me say it again. You're going to, Jesus is going to say, let it all go. Surrender it all. Give it all away. Give it all to me. Put it all at my feet. Follow me entirely. And when we, when you and I follow the Lord entirely, he wants us to live an abandoned nets lifestyle while retaining the boat and the nets. Okay? Abandon everything, but retain most things. (laughs) Tell me, is it easy to abandon everything and walk away from it all and just say, I'm totally done? Totally done of all all of it? Now, it's hard, right? It's hard to leave all that behind. That's a sacrifice. But boy, you're also free. You're free from it. It's all gone. The stresses, the pressures, the worries, the concerns, they're all gone. And yes, all that stuff is gone too. And I've got to live a life now that is a radical life of following Jesus. Is that harder? Or is it harder to say, all right, Lord, 
I'm abandoning it all. I'm no longer going to consider myself the owner of it. I'm no longer going to consider myself the owner of my livelihood. But I'm going to still work it. I'm going to still keep my job, keep my assets, but they're no longer mine. There's a difference. The difference is not, oh, Lord, I'm going to follow you in this part of my life, but Lord, business is business, right? And I'm going to just keep my own business, and I've just got to take care of things, and I've got to figure stuff out, versus I put it all at your feet, Lord. Just tell me what to do. I put it all at your feet. Tell me what to do. And I say yes, and I trust you. I just trust you, Lord. You'll take care of me. You'll take care of this. You'll take care of my family. And now I've got to, I've got to have an open hands approach to what? My time, my treasure, my talent. My time. How, how am I spending my time? What am I doing with my time? How am I supposed to live? My treasure, all that stuff, all of the assets that I have, my wealth, it's all in your hands, Lord. And my talents. Okay, Lord, you've, you've given me these talents and gifts and you've helped me mature them. What do you want me to do with them? What do you want me to do with them? And just be surprised. Get ready that what the Lord had for you in the past may not be what he has for you in the present. And I've already shared with you, but I'll share it again in this context, in the context of this novena to the Holy Spirit. You know, for the last, uh, for my whole adult life, I've had the real privilege and blessing of what? Doing church ministry work. I have since 1989. My principal occupation has been church ministry work in a variety of forms. Working for, uh, working for a parish, working for Evangelization 2000, that was a, a worldwide nonprofit Catholic apostolate, then starting my own apostolate or ministry in 1996, 1990, yeah, 1996, and then for 20 years leading that apostolate full-time. And then at the end of 2016, I ended the nonprofit organization that I was leading called My Catholic Faith Ministries. I continued to do ministry, but gave more time in my life over to consulting work. The consulting work that I've done um, since the um, late 90s um, took two forms. The first was I was doing coaching and consulting, and that's what I've talked to you about the most on Sound Insight. And then I was also doing some private real estate stuff for my own family, buying and selling homes. And so it's so interesting now, here I am, all these years later, and Carrie and I, we moved here two and a half, almost three years ago, and all of a sudden we have this surge of families starting to head our way too. And as uh, from my ministry context, from, from my ministry contacts and families that have felt the same call that we did and we started to accompany them and walk with them. And then, as you know, in, in the fall, I discerned, I have been helping these families so intensively and extensively over the last two and a half years, why don't I bring to bear all of the gifts and talents that I've matured in the last 25 years as a coach and a strategy consultant, helping with negotiations, communications, um, getting clear about what uh, what is the most important goal for this owner, this business owner, typically, or CEO, and then helping them to find the right path to accomplish those goals. And it's like, wow, wait a minute. The Lord has been maturing these gifts in me for 25 years, and now all of a sudden, I can take those gifts and I can put them at the service of homeowners. 
and not just any homeowners, but homeowners that um, that come to me that I feel like are a good fit. Not everyone's a good fit, but those that have that um, that sense of um, I can talk to them openly, and and those that are are obviously coming to me through um, faith settings it becomes a real easier fit to be able to say, I think we could work really well together. And if not, I'm happy to recommend other agents to work with. But if, um, if we are a good fit to work together, I'd love to bring to bear these different gifts that I've been given in communication, strategizing, coaching, helping couples to discern and then take action around finding a home. And so that's been the it's been an amazing, like, are you kidding me, God? Are you serious? There, there was a way in which I've abandoned the nets and then trusted that the Lord would bring me back the 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 gifts and, and abilities that I've matured serving business owners and now putting them at the service of uh, often faith-filled homeowners who are looking to buy a home over here and move their family. And I just, I'm in awe of the way that the Lord has, you know, permitted me to now use these gifts and skills developed in corporate America in a consulting and coaching context and bringing them to bear on the reality of um, buying a house. Because when, when f- most of the folks that, are, that are I'm here serving are trying to buy a house, they're not trying to buy a house, they're trying to move and establish a new life for their family. And that is so much more than just picking the right house. Uh, anyone can, any agent can help someone like pick a house or open a door so that they can then make an offer on a house. But to discern, is this a fit? What's your life going to be like? Where are you going to be living your life? Where are your people? Where are you going to be worshiping? Where are you going to be hanging out? Where, where are the families that are similar to yours going to be hanging out and and then helping them to really hone in on what how can you get over here and experience life over here a bit um, meeting up with other families right so just literally on Memorial Day weekend we um, friends of ours hosted a family that were coming from the west side we invited them to a party with a bunch of oaks families so they could meet these families and have their kids meet some other kids and today they're going to be touring the school um and you know what a beautiful what a beautiful thing i love that and and it feels so for me so fulfilling when i i see the, the gratitude in their eyes and, and on their lips when it comes to the idea that they were able to establish a new life and the, the sense of thank you, God, in your mercy and in your generosity, you got us here. So, um, but for me to do that, a big act of trust, a major act of trust to say, Lord, okay, I'm going to trust that you'll take care of me as I move away from serving corporate America to serving Catholic families, and not just Catholic families, Christian families, and other families that want to um, move here and for whom I'm a good fit. So it has been really a fascinating journey. All right, back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I, I mentioned I've been sharing with you this idea that when you have a call— 
that call is to leave everything behind, but keep most things. That's that's the call that laity have, the laity. That's us, right? That's baptized Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus who live our lives in the world, often called to be married. And in those contexts, we find ourselves facing some heavy crosses, stresses and pressures and anxieties. And it's harder to surrender control. Well, it's harder for me. I think it's harder for most people to surrender control when we maybe are accustomed to saying, I'm going to figure this out. Let me try to find a way to, to, to get through this. I, I think I can take this on. And God, will you help me out here? Because uh, I think I've got this. And instead saying, Lord, you've given me gifts and abilities. You've given me experiences and, and contacts and assets that I could use to figure this out on my own. And Lord, I just place them all at your disposal. I am not going to control this. I'm, I surrender it. I put it into your hands and I trust you. And in trusting you, I'm also going to then work hard. I am going to then also take steps to work hard, but under you, under your guidance, and with an openness to having my own thinking be nudged aside. Isn't that important? Like to let my own thinking be nudged aside so that I am, uh, I'm not you know, settling for less than God's best and just relying on my own thinking, right? I don't want to just rely on my own thinking. And I just think that's so important uh, for us to, to learn that that's where I think a lot of our crosses are in our married lives. And Carrie and I, um, we, over this weekend, we went away um, with our kiddos and um, we went to Priest Lake for the first time in northern Idaho. Um, we'd heard so much about it. And honestly, at the beginning, we were a little bit puzzled. <laughs> a little puzzled, like, all right, we know it's a beautiful lake and there's some beautiful views, but all right, let's see if we can figure this out. Like, why is this such a destination location? First of all, we learned a little bit about it, that Priest Lake was named that because of the Jesuit priests, missionaries that first arrived there. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and in fact, we saw on the um, in the parade there was a Memorial Day parade the day before, and it was um, in it they had a one of the floats was a canoe with a, a young man dressed like a Jesuit um, holding up a Bible and it said Priest Lake on the other side or Priest Lake Jesuit on the other side, so I thought that was cool that they don't um, hide that past, um, but anyway says we were uh, we were walking oh. And so Carrie, she loves to just go up and talk to locals and say, okay, what's the secret? Why is this so attractive? And she said that people would look at her puzzled. And in, in the next, here's the flow of the conversation. It was, things seem to be so far away from stuff, so far away from, you know, where, where are you going to find, like, civilization? That, that's too strong, but... Um, like, you know, a, a, a setting, a, a population center that has, you know, a mall or a movie theater or uh, bigger shopping markets or stuff like that. And the, the, like the odd look back was, but that's the point. <laughs> the point is, is to get away from 
that entire lifestyle, the, the rat race lifestyle. It's a call to a simpler life, closer to nature, and a little bit more independent, and a little bit more focused on things that really matter, family and conversation and less uh, less copious use of technology, uh, a much greater sense of, again, staying connected to um, uh, outdoor living. And it was, it was one of those things like, oh, okay. And, and I think obviously in, in different times of the year, you're going to be able to hike more and you're going to be able to uh, get out on the lake on a boat and they also talked about, and Carrie's like, well, in the winter, you really can't ski here. And they said, ski? Why would you want to ski? You can snowmobile. And I'm like, okay, this is a different world. <laughs> and just very, very interesting. Okay, but along the way, we were just talking. Carrie and I were talking. Uh, we, we had took in a hike, taken a hike, and all the kids ran off ahead, and we're just walking, hiking through the woods. Um, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful hike. Uh, not that challenging, but beautiful. And we were just talking about the way in which as we get older, how do we stay open to change? As we get older, how do we become aware of those things that aren't serving us well in our married life or in our parenting? And as you know, as your kids get older, it's really easy for a couple to put most of their emphasis on their identity as parents more than their identity as a husband and wife. That makes sense? I think that makes sense. That it's easy to spend a lot of time looking, like as a married couple, standing side by side, you look down towards your kids and you're focused on how is this one doing? How's that one doing? What do we need to do to help them stay stay safe, happy, happy healthy, and holy? How do we help them flourish? And what can be less nurtured is well, what are we doing to continue to grow together in our life? And I want to say this, one of the gifts that comes to a married couple to help them grow in sanctity, to help them grow in holiness is as kids get older, the, the types of challenges that are faced also become, uh, become they change. Um, when the kids at teen years, and especially with kids that have different temperaments, right, different personalities, that it, it calls forth something different from from a husband and a wife as a mother and father. And we were just reflecting on that together that um, as our kids are getting older, certain kids with different temperaments and personality types are challenging us in ways that are revealing our weaknesses, revealing our weaknesses and and it's easy at that point to just say, well, the kid's just going to suffer because I'm not going to change, or it's the kid that has to change, not me, instead of saying, Lord, I don't like how I'm parenting this child. I need to become more patient and kind. I need to be more loving. I need to invest more in this relationship. But it's not my natural inclination. It's not what I've formed as a habit. And it's a really hard thing to break a habit, especially a habit that is present because of a wound from the past. Are there wounds that I have, I, a husband or a wife or both, have in our lives because of how we were raised or because of what's happened to us or what we've chosen or the habits that we've grown into? Any one of those sources can lead to a more narrow or restrictive approach in our parenting. Uh, 
And so it could be the case, just I'll just give you a for instance, when, when Carrie and I were talking, we were just asking ourselves, it's so much easier to be critical and corrective than it is to be cheerleading or encouraging and supportive if we see our kids falling short. And it's, and I know that's not true for everybody, right? There, there are those that very naturally and quickly come in with the cheerleading spirit, not very corrective, um, and, and, and uh, are able to naturally do that and maybe struggle with the opposite, right? But when you have kids at a, at a tender age where you want them to be open to you, where you want them to um, feel like their heart isn't going to be hurt if, if you're going to come towards them with critical language, a harsh language, or what they receive as a, a rejection, a condemnation, a sense of, uh, I don't celebrate you like that, but I'm pointing out your flaw, that that's a hard thing. And, and then what do we do about it, right? So there's that cross again in, in married life. That's a cross that you're going to face in married life is, what do I do when I come up against my limits that come from, again, all of those different sources that I just shared with you? It could come from the wounds of your past, your decisions, your choices, where you're a victim, or your personality and temperament that's developed into habits over time. Any one of those things, and the Lord is saying, I'm not done with you yet. I, I have more for you. You can change. I can transform you, but it's going to mean some serious effort, some serious willingness to be humble, to be humbled. And to come to me and allow me to wash over you, sink into you, unveil to you places in your life that I can minister to you, healing. Wow. All of that because your kids are getting older. Woo! This is not something that just you would have chosen. It's not something that you were maybe even aware of. But because of what's happening in your kids' lives as your kids are getting older, now all of a sudden, it's something that you have to pay attention to. This is where the gift of the Holy Spirit becomes so powerful and important because the Holy Spirit dwells in the core of your being. And the Holy Spirit of Pentecost is the Spirit of the living God who lives within you and who can unbind you and set you free, who can bring healing to you in dimensions that you become aware of in your life as a parent. All right, I'm up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. So I'm sharing about, um, well, it's all, it's all traced back to text messages, text messages with my daughter, Mary Grace, who mentioned a couple of things about St. Catherine of Siena. As she was discerning her call, she had a vision of Jesus and was uh, invited to choose a cross. She chose the biggest one. Jesus said, no, you don't get the biggest one. That's for married couples. And so Mary Grace and I started just texting back and forth about how is it the case that married couples may in fact have heavier crosses than um, priests and religious. And, and she said one other thing about that, and that was, why is it the case that there are so few married couples that are saints as compared to priests and religious that are saints? And I, uh, I uh, what I... Uh, that led me into that um, that comment about priests and religious live their lives at a higher pitch, and therefore 
those holy priests and religious that truly allow themselves to sink into the depths of their uh, of their mission of being completely handed over and given over to um, a a life of chastity, poverty, and obedience, that they will uh, be able to manifest the holiness of God in ways that the church will honor and raise up, in, in ways that um, married couples live their lives in a much more hidden fashion. And so any holiness that is present in a married couple's life, it, it's just a lot harder to uh, have that be obvious in a, let's say, day-to-day way. Um, though I, I want to say, hopefully not to the kids, hopefully not to each other. Um, that's one of those things where St. Paul um, talks about the uh, the celibate life, the life of virginity, this life of being completely held in reserve for the Lord in one's, again, sexual dimension, to hold it in reserve for the Lord. He calls that an undivided life. It's an undivided life. Whereas the married man, St. Paul says, is divided, where he is divided between caring for the Lord, loving the Lord with the cares that the that the call and, and the and the cares that the Lord has for uh, him, while at the same time also caring for and being responsive and receptive to the requests and the desires that come from his wife. And there's that sense of it's a more divided life. And when I first grappled with that, it was, uh, I, I, I don't know if I was trying to improve on St. Paul or trying to say, yeah, but, or yes, and. <laughs> and the and was, yes, it is a divided life compared to an undivided life, but and it doesn't have to be from the standpoint that uh, you can say, I'm loving the Lord in two ways. I'm loving the Lord directly without any mediation, without any um, any accompaniment by anyone else in the intimacy and in the, in the privacy of my own relationship with the Lord. And I'm also loving the Lord through and together with my loving of Carrie, my wife, that I can love the Lord directly and I can love the Lord through Carrie. I can love the Lord directly and I can love the Lord with Carrie. Loving the Lord with Carrie, that's easy. It's when we praise God together, when we read the Bible together. It's when we um, pray together. These are ways that we are love. I'm loving the Lord, not only in an, the intimate singularity of a private, the privacy of my communion with the Lord, but the two become one flesh. And so as I am together with Carrie, I can also be loving the Lord together with her. And so there's not a that's not something that is pulling me away from God. In fact, Carrie's support, encouragement, and accountability to pray is a greater help. She's a helpmate to me in getting closer to God. And then there's that idea of not only loving the Lord with Carrie, but loving the Lord through Carrie, meaning as I am loving her, I'm fulfilling that great commandment. The, right, the, the, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love your neighbor... For the love of God. So there's a way in which I'm loving Carrie, motivated by my love for God. 
It's like, Lord, thank you for loving me so much, and thank you for the call you've given me to love my wife and to give my life for her. I love you, Lord, enough to love this woman who is my wife and to pour out my life for her so that she can come alive and know and love and serve you, so that she can be a saint. So there's a way in which loving Carrie becomes another manifestation of my love for God. Make sense? So that's how I have um, thought about it. That's how I have reflected on it. That's how I have taught about it. Um, when I would talk to married couples about this idea that there is a way in which the sing the single life is an undivided life, the, the life of virginity, it, of poverty, chastity, right, life of celibacy is an undivided life, but quickly saying, and it's also a way in which uh, the, um, the divided life doesn't have to be divided. Well, I think that what I just shared with you is... It's highly abstract. In the concrete reality of day-to-day life, make it much more grounded in the day-to-day experience, that is that is a high ideal. That's a high ideal, and it is, it's not something that just because someone can say it, that that doesn't mean that that's happening. Meaning, specifically, yeah, St. Paul was right. <laughs> the the it's it's um it's not hard it's not easy to overstate this reality of the divided life aspect of loving the lord in an undivided way in the intimacy of one's prayer but then being pulled into a way of loving my wife my family uh and serving them through leading, providing, and protecting in a way that then says, Lord, where are you in all of this? Lord, I think I've forgotten you in all of this. Lord, I think I've been really dispersed in all of the the things that are part of my call, and I've lost sight of you in all of this. That 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 is a very easy thing to have happen. It's very easy to be so immersed in the world that we lose sight of our relationship with God. And I, I guess... In re- upon reflection, I shouldn't be that surprised at it. Really, should I be that surprised that we lose sight of the Lord? We lose sight of our own personal relationship with the Lord when we get so caught up in the day-to-day activities. I think one of the signs of that is something that um, at, we were at this Memorial Day party and um, I was lamenting and there was another a couple that we were just visiting with and lamenting that when people say to you, hey, how are you? The default word that I go to these days is busy. And then I immediately, I, I've taken, I've, I've become, it's become kind of the habit now is that I say that without thinking, but it's true. And then I'll immediately say, wait a minute, I'm sorry, that's that's just a rationalization. Uh, yeah, sorry, let me, let me, let me give you a different answer. (laughs) And I don't just want to settle for I'm busy. If busy means I'm busy in a way that is distracting, dispersing, or diverting me away from God's call for my life. No, that, that's not good enough, right? It's not good enough to say that somehow I have permission to diminish the attention I give to my relationship with the Lord, 
um, allow myself to neglect the opportunity I have to make the Lord first in my own living of my day-to-day life. So for me, that means if I don't get up and pray morning prayer or the office of readings first thing and have some quiet time, there's no excuse. That's just neglect. No matter how busy I am, it's just neglect. It's a choice to say that somehow some of the other stuff that I've got going on takes priority over God. Um, or if I miss daily Mass. For me, this is for me. It's not for, I'm not saying it's for you, but for me, if I don't prioritize in my scheduling the getting to Mass, that is on me. It's not on anybody else. That's on me. I could do that. There's no good reason why I couldn't do that. And uh, I just have to be planned. And otherwise, I'm just, for me, it's negligence. I'm just being negligent in saying, Lord, you're the most important relationship I have in my life, and I want to encounter you and worship you and give myself to you in the the highest, in the summit of of how I'm being gifted to do that as a Catholic, and that's to go to Mass. And if I can receive you in Holy Communion— what more important thing can I be about today than that? Right? So that those are just a couple of things. And then you could just go right down the line. Right? What does what do I allow the rest of my life to crowd out? Do I allow, allow it to crowd out family dinner? Do I allow it to crowd out family prayer? Do I allow it to crowd out time with each of my kids to be able to check in with them and make sure that they are what growing? to be the the children of God that God intends them to be? Do I make space for and seek out conversations with them? They're very important questions. And so, yeah, divided life, yeah, hard. It's hard to do that, but that's why it's the heavier cross. Thank you, St. Catherine of Siena. All right, God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sign Insight.